I know we're recording, but but Ben, I just got to say up front before we get into it, it's been a privilege just getting to know you. I mean, I've kind of yeah. known you, but just knowing you, like like talking to you every week has just really been awesome. This has been so much fun for me. I can't even tell you guys. I mean, I just feel, I feel closer to you guys, even if, you know, you're not going to get rich off this or famous, but it's like, I feel like it's, it's touched me personally. It's made me better just knowing you people. I love it. I wish I could say the same, Tim. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I would, I didn't expect that. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a taker, not a giver. (laughs) You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 13 for March the 10th. And on today's show, we're going to do a topic from a listener suggestion. Uh, Mingo, I believe your last name is Hagen, Hagen uh, asked that we talk about the, the phrase, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That sounded interesting to us. So we're going to take a look at that. Thanks for the topic, by the way. Yes, thank you. Uh, and before we do that, as always, we're going to do our triumphs and fails. And I'm going to fill in for Carol here. She, as she mentioned last week, she's not in this week. She is AFK snowboarding in Lake Tahoe with her son. And that is definitely a triumph. I've seen, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Super jelly. Uh, so who wants to go next? I'm going to be like you guys in the press and str- struggle to say if this is a triumph or a fail. The failure part is that I have been so slammed the past week. I constantly spend every single day trying to do a set amount of work. And I'm constantly interrupted with meeting requests, with training requests. With uh, HR requests, just so many things that just keep coming in at me that today I I actually scheduled. So I put on my calendar, I'm like, if I do not schedule at least five hours of coding, I am not going to get what I need to get done. So I scheduled today from um, 5 a.m. until 12 p.m., 12 noon, lunchtime, until noon. So 5 a.m. till noon. I put a meeting there, a big, long meeting that the only thing it said was code like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so that way no one could just jump in my, cause like co- people constantly jump in my calendar. Mm-hmm. They, they constantly, like I have like, we're, we're trying to hire some people and I'm having to do interviews. So HR is constantly putting these people in my calendar and then these other meetings are just are total injects. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. The meetings are important. A lot of the things that if I don't have the meeting with them, my goals will fail. So I'm, it, none of the stuff is not pushing my, my personal agenda forward. It is. But there's the stuff I've got to get done on my own outside of what I have to help other people get done. And so I, I, I put that on my calendar today and I did it. <laughs> I did it. I didn't look at my email. Wow. I didn't take a call. No Twitter. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't look at our Discord. Sorry, patrons. I didn't look at our Discord at all. Sorry. I'll look at it you know, <laughs> later. But yeah, and I got so much done. In fact, actually, what made me really, really happy is the triumph for me is the customer that I'm really, they're, they're sort of the, our beta launch. Uh, supporter on this 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 project she sent me an email today at 6 p.m my time to say thank you so much for all the work you got done today oh nice 
and that That's made me feel time. so good because yeah, because I did. It's like, it, and the stuff I wasn't doing wasn't hard. It was just it needed attention to detail. And I, I can't. I've learned this about myself. I cannot pay attention to detail when there's constant injects. I fail mm-hmm. when I have so many injects. So, yeah, I'm I'm proud of myself today. I I, I coded like <laughs> the wind today. One thing that would be interesting to talk about sometime is something called the Pomodoro technique, which is where people work for set periods of time, like 20 minutes, and then they take a five minute break or a 10 minute break or something. And I've never worked like that, but people who use it swear by it. But I listen to you and talk about heads down and productivity. And that's how I feel a lot is that if I'm heads down, if I'm in the zone, feeling the flow, I don't want to stop every 20 minutes and, yeah. and it, you know, it's yeah. probably terrible for my wrists and my eyesight, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like incremental working and then breaks disrupt me more than they help me. But the topic for another show that made me think. Yeah, of it. I, I, I definitely would bring that topic up because I, I I'm with your gut feeling that 20 minutes for me, it's like, I'm, I'm just getting good at 20 minutes. So it's like, I need uh, several hours yeah. Not to turn this into the Pomodoro show, but I agree. I think that the the Pomodoro technique, I've, I've played with it in the past, and I think that it works best if your work more closely resembles turning a crank than unpacking some giant concept in your mind and then using mm-hmm. that context to you know, build on that and, and do something interesting. Yeah. I, I barely understood the problem in 20 minutes. Yeah. So. How about you, Ben? So I have a triumph this week, and it actually dovetails a bit with the topic of the show. And uh, right now, work, we're in the middle of what we're calling Sync Week, which is a week-long... In normal times, this would be an actual in-person event where the whole company would get together because we're an entirely remote company. So uh, usually we call it IRL in real life, but this year we're calling it Sync Week. It's all virtual. It's been themed the amazing race and you know team activities based on on the show but uh uh in the keynote i was super pumped up to be called out with my coworker jackie ewald we were recognized as embodying the customer empathy principle at work for the stuff that we've done and so obviously super exciting to be recognized for that but the reason I think it dovetails with work is because we were specifically called out for having built a feature for a customer that we almost certainly weren't allowed to build at the time. Uh, I, we were on a call with a customer. I can't, I won't give their name, but we were on a call with a customer. Customer pays us a ton of money and they were expressing a certain degree of friction that they were having with the software. And I was listening to this and I thought to myself, what you're saying is super simple, like literally something that I could build in three hours. And I didn't ask for permission. I discussed it with Jackie, who was the customer success manager on the call. And I said, let's just do this. Let's just do this for them. We can put it behind a feature flag. We'll turn it on just for them. And if it causes an issue down the road, we'll address the issue then. But for now, it's worthwhile for the type of customer they are. So literally spent like uh, three, four hours building this thing, deployed it just for them behind a feature flag. And they were super excited. And now months later, getting recognized for building this as an example of 
customer empathy just feels like vindication for the feelings that I were having at the time that I don't care. I a hundred percent know that if I had asked a manager, can I build this for this customer? I would have absolutely been turned down. I would have been told that we can't do this. Uh, we're going to break with the, there's a whole lot of political stuff going on behind the scenes, but it definitely would have been rejected. Isn't there always, yeah, always. And, um, and I wanted to read a quote from Stephen Gates, who is our former head of design evangelism at, uh, at work. Uh, he just left, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But I kept a quote from him at the top of my team's ideation document. And this is what he said. For most companies right now, because of the way their processes are, because of how afraid they are of so many things, the innovation they need will probably not be authorized. When I look back at all the work that was innovative, it was only innovative in hindsight. It almost got me fired on the way there. And it's just having had his quote at the top of all of our design ideation meetings and now being recognized for something that I almost certainly didn't have permission to build in the first place. It just feels like extra layers of rewarding. So it was a pretty, pretty huge triumph for me. I award you two attaboys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, here's a, it's a, a topic that we could possibly uh, go into at another time. We, we talked about it a little bit before the show. We're talking about Elon Musk. I mean, one of his things, he said, there's too many MBA graduates leading companies. Mm. And I think that's sort of, you know, it's, it's, your, it's your people that know the technology that are engineers. They're the ones who are going to take the risk because they see the potential. You, you, you give that to an MBA, they're like, no, no, we, we can't do that. And it's the natural conservatism of, of not taking the risk. But yet you take the risk and you think, oh, I could get fired for this. And yet you get an applause because afterwards the, the payoff is, is huge. So yeah, I, I would love to dive into that at some point. The phrase that always pops into my head when I talk to people who don't share my mindset is FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. And I feel that the higher up in the organization you go, the more you think about fear, uncertainty, doubt. And, and I feel like the lower down in the organization that you go, the more you focus on the opportunity cost of not doing something. And maybe it's because your outlook is more nearsighted because you're not thinking about the the trajectory of an entire organization. So you look at a particular thing and you think, this is crazy not to do. Like, how could I not do this? Whereas the higher up you go, maybe you you have to de-risk. Well, the higher up you go, the less detail you have, right? So, I mean, you see things... You don't you see things from broader perspective, but you don't see things at a detailed level. Mm. When you're at the lower level, you completely understand how this one thing, although small, can become huge. Yeah, you don't see that further up. You just see a baseline number that says, "Oh, you know, it's a one percent. It's not that big of a deal." And but you realize that one percent is could very shortly become twenty percent, thirty percent of a problem. Hundred percent. <laughs> that too 100% <laughs> agreed how about you Adam what's going on in your life so I have a failure this week um, today I spent several 
hours, not just of my own time, but somebody else's time as well. We were pairing on this and uh, we were debugging uh, a Docker build. We were trying to basically take a Docker container that we were building that the, the final production image was about a gig and just see what we could do to make it smaller and um a small triumph a silver lining to this cloud is we did get it to just over 100 megs so huge reduction in size which would be nice wow. cost savings in our ecr storage and it should in theory make deploys go faster um but it took several hours i want to say three to four hours of two people's time to figure this out because I was seeing intermittent success and intermittent failure. And of course, you know, I tried very hard at first to approach it methodically and change one thing at a time and, okay, have confidence in that one change before I move on to the next. And um, so I I was changing a Node.js Docker container and changing it from the the basic node lts container to like node 14 lts on alpine linux which is a where a big portion of that uh size savings comes from but then other things that i was doing so we use a make file as part of the multi-stage build to do tests as part of the build and um in that make file i was monkeying around with some things and i had put a line in the make file that i would you know kind of drop in and take out at at random as i was working on debugging the stuff and it was uh the line was echo period with no space between the two which if you're from if you're familiar with windows batch script programming that prints out a blank line and for some reason and i know that you have the echo command on unix systems um, and so for some reason i had it in my head that you could do the same thing in my computer is a mac so i just thought it'd be the same and it worked fine for me locally on my Mac, but I guess it doesn't work in Ubuntu. So um, my builds were failing at that line, and I didn't notice it because it, the whole point of having that echo there was the command before that um, was not ending with a new line. And so I was just trying to get the next thing down onto the next line, and I was seeing that it failed at that line above it and um, in the output. And I was getting hung up on the fact that the line above it was failing, and Ultimately, a stupid echo is what was killing my build for three hours today. And I just, it was so frustrating. I've lost enough hair as it is. And then, you know, you have a day like that where you're <laughs> yanking your hair out and it turns out to be, you know, in so many cases, it's like a missing semicolon or whatever, something stupid like that. And ultimately, what it came down to was a bad assumption. You know, I had just assumed that this line was um, foolproof. No way this could possibly be the problem. And so I was dropping it in and taking it out, dropping it in and taking it out. And, uh, rough day. I, I got some ignorant questions for you because you use some terms there. I'm I'm not familiar with. So, what is Alpine Linux? My understanding of it is it is a extremely stripped down version of Linux to the point where it it doesn't have Bash. It has what it's, uh, it's S-H. called a- ASH, I think, um, which is comparable to Bash, but it's different. I'm guessing it's it's Ash. It's it's Just, much. They take the B off. It's much lighter. It's yeah, yeah, they, they save that bite. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's much lighter weight. It doesn't have SSH. It doesn't have Git. It doesn't have curl. More importantly, so, so it, it doesn't have nano. 
Yeah, or VI. Is the editor. Nano is the best it's thing the ever. the only editor I know how to use on the command Me line. Me too. Me too. I, re- I refuse to use Vi. Vi, or, I can't stand it. it. It's Technically, it's Vim. I just want to make sure that we're clear with that. But it's called Vim, but sure. the command is VI. I don't know why. Actually. Actually. <laughs> and what is a meg file? What is make a meg file? Make file. M- oh, make. Yeah. Okay. Sorry if my pronunciation was poor there. Make. Yeah, I thought you said make. Oh, yeah. I, I probably did. Make, make file. file. I know what a make yeah. file is. Okay. okay. Did you uh have you played around with the multi-stage builds? You were talking about that on an earlier episode. Yep, yep, we're doing that. And that was another way that we saved a bunch of space. So um this is a Node.js application. And um one of the ways that we saved a bunch of space was to do uh, well, so in our package JSON for this particular application, we're using private modules that are just uh, loaded over a Git URL. So we don't have like NPM private modules or anything like that. We just uh, have the the Git URLs set up correctly in our in our package JSON, so it can go and pull them from there and keep them as a private repo. Um, but the downside of that is you have to have Git on the machine where you're doing like the NPM install, mm-hmm. which is not a problem in ninety nine percent of cases. But then when we switch to Alpine Linux. It doesn't have Git installed, and I tried like, okay, well, what happens if I just install Git? Well, apparently, it costs ninety megs to install Git, which is ridiculous, but whatever, that's the truth. Um, so, what I ended up doing ultimately was to move the npm install up into the the multi stage build, the the build layer or container, whatever you want to call it, um, and then after we're down in the final container, I will copy the node modules folder from the build container nice yeah the the multi-stage build stuff is fascinating it is groovy cool so what do we think about the phrase do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life oh i've got thoughts on that hit it yeah go for it tim Uh, no 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 just let's if somebody let's let's play devil's advocate here maybe there's somebody out there that doesn't truly understand what the phrase is trying to say and i think I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I think what it's trying to say is if you love what you do, then you will enjoy your work so much that it won't feel like work and you'll enjoy your career and you will never be miserable about the idea of going to work. That sounds right. Close. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, if I'm not right, Tim, then, <laughs> then correct me. So do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So I, that. If you choose something that you really, really are passionate about, then every day you will be passionate about what you do. And at some degree, I can agree with that. But I have, I have huge, huge problems with that statement on so many levels. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've talked about how violently passionate i am about my work sometimes but i've had panic attacks i've had times when i can't imagine getting up in the morning to go to work i've had really really dark times but i absolutely love what i do and and i I think the the underlying issue that maybe you're feeling here tim is that work is always work and and the things that you're passionate about are still work and that's why you hear people say things like i don't want to turn my hobby into a work because then it won't be fun anymore Mm -hmm. because the reality is is that when it's something that you're doing as a career it's hard it's always hard 
if it weren't hard, I don't think it would be interesting personally, but Mm. there's going to be days where it's not fun and you just have to muscle through with the idea that it's going to get you somewhere. And, uh, and you have to be able to hold that, that love and almost that pain sometimes in the same thought and understand that you're doing the right thing. So, so I'm going to challenge the first statement about do what you love. I agree. Everyone should be able to do what they love, but not everyone can do what they love. Mm -hmm. People have to live. I mean, ultimately what you do for your career, your life, your work, a lot of it depends on your position in life. Some people cannot do what they love. There's a certain amount of privilege involved in being able to There's a huge, I mean, absolutely. That's a huge amount of privilege. I'm not going to sit here and say, I mean, the fact that my father was able to buy me a computer when I was a teenager, when he couldn't afford it, he did that, but he could do it because he was able to, and I benefited from it. The fact that I was able to go to school to learn to do it is a privilege. And the fact that, I mean, there was probably 10 years of my life where I just, trying to use a bad word here, (laughs) Um, I goofed off. I totally goofed off. I totally did. And I didn't starve. Nobody died. That is total privilege to be able to just goof off for several years of your life to just pursue something that you really want to do and not fail because I had a support system. So doing what you love is not an option for everybody. And there's another side to that coin as well, is that there are a lot of jobs that need to be done, whether or not somebody loves them. Like there may not be, there, there may very well be, but I imagine it's not high on the desired career list to be a high school janitor or, you know, whatever. But uh, it's a very necessary job. Right. And those people that do that, I mean, if it wasn't their love, they're doing it because they have to, and they learn to love it. I mean, I've, I, you know, high school janitor actually in my middle school is probably one of the most influ- influential people in my life because he was a cool <laughs> dude. He, he was really was. He, was. he chatted with me. We hung out and like, he didn't teach me any topics, but he tur- he. I was in middle school. I was the smallest. So I went from being the smallest kid in my class in middle school to being just normal height in high school. I was picked on relentlessly in middle school. But my my middle school janitor was like my buddy. And it's like, did he love his job? I don't know. But I'm so glad he was there because he did so much more for me than just cleaning the floors. So, you know, I don't think I knew any of my janitors at at school. My dad, I don't know what he would have loved to do, but I know that when we were young and struggling, he liked clean cars. He was a car washer. Mm -hmm. That's what he did for a living. He washed cars. And honestly, he loved it. He, He loved my dad. He loves cleaning stuff, but he couldn't make enough money doing that. Um, and so he loved it. Was he working? Yeah, he was working, but he's enjoying what he was doing. But at the same time, he couldn't feed a family of four, you know, making below minimum wage being a car washer. So he, he 
learned chemistry and learned to make car wash soap and became a business owner that turned into, a, you know, a multi-million dollar business. Nice. They later sold. I mean, so sometimes you have to do things you don't necessarily love. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I, that's the thing that bothers me the most. I think that if people hear that phrase, that if they, they're not doing what they love, they feel, feel like they're a failure. Maybe you're not doing what you love right now. It doesn't mean that you're not leading up to it. Yeah. You, you can eventually do what you love. Or you can learn to love what you're doing. Or you can love the fact that you're doing what is necessary to support yourself or to contribute to the economy or to do some work that just needs somebody to do it. And you spend your work time on work and then you have hobbies that you love in your free time. And that's where you find personal satisfaction. Or the immigrant story where you're, you're, you know, you're doing what you have to so that your kids can have a better life. There, there's love in that. Absolutely. It might not be the work, but there's still love there. This is getting deep. This is really <laughs> I know. When I was preparing for this show and putting my thoughts together, I was thinking to myself, what, can I, how, what advice can I give people so that they can get through times in their work when they're just frustrated or, or not enjoying it? it? Definitely, I did not come at it from a very the, the deep philosophical perspective that, that you're taking, I think. I think it's, yeah, I mean, that's the only way I can come at it because I think it's bigger than that. I mean, you're talking about life goals you're talking about love love is love is life right so yeah i mean do we all get frustrated everyone does right but it's like what do you love in life and that that love sort of defines you i guess when i heard the phrase what strikes me about it is this idea that i think people equate not working with being easy that this idea, if you do what you love, then it'll just be easy. And, I, and that's the part where I push back against. Just because you love something, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to come naturally all the time. That there is struggle and there's hardship and there are hurdles and there are ebbs and there are flows and there are peaks and valleys. But that's all part of the journey of doing something that you love. That there's not... It, it's the love that allows the drudgery of it to be easy, but it's still drudgery sometimes. I, I wanted to read a quote from this painter, Chuck Close. Uh, most people have heard, I think, part of the phrase, which is this inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. I think you mm-hmm. read this on a previous episode. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, cut this. No, 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 don't cut it. Don't, don't cut it. Don't cut it. <laughs> this is why I have a terrible memory. That's right. I vaguely remember running out of breath reading it. <laughs> it makes you breathless. So uh, I think there's another angle on the, the second portion of this phrase, you'll never work a day in your life that stands out to me. And that is none of us that I'm aware of, certainly not me do only the part of our job that we love mm-hmm. right so if i take this thing mm-hmm. as, as what it is so do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life well what i love about programming is choosing the thing i want to work on following it as into this state of being where i 
don't even realize it's been 11 hours since my last meal. And, you know, I haven't spoken to another human being in two days. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just deep down this rabbit hole of the project that I want to work on. And then, you know, I, either I finish it or whatever, and then I want to move on to the next thing. And maybe I'll never finish it and maybe whatever, but I don't have to write documentation for it. And I don't have to write mm-hmm. tests for it if I don't want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't have to go to meetings about it. And I don't have to explain it to customers seven times. And I don't have to give mm-hmm. it some weird name. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't have to do, uh, you know, budget forecasting or any of that part. But that's all necessary work mm-hmm. when it is part of a business, which is what you're doing yeah. when you're you know, working a job. And so I think that that all that stuff is kind of lurking in the shadows when you talk about like do what you love maybe maybe there are people who are fortunate enough to be able to to work on the part that they love and then they can afford to hire enough people to be like okay you do the part i don't like but i think that that is the extreme minority you you hit on the head one thing that i do which relates to what you were just saying is that i like to structure into my day a period of time that is dedicated to doing what I want to do that is dedicated to doing very self-directed, very autonomous work. And for me, I like to do that during the morning. That's my most creative time of the day. And I feel like that's when I'm most free thinking and most able to, to color outside the lines if I need to. So for the first hour, hour and a half of every day, I draw a really hard circle around that time. And that's the time I do things that people didn't ask me to do. That's not on a roadmap or has not been allocated based on some sort of uh, timeline or or whatever estimations that's that's the time where i can pick and choose the things i want to do whether it's a tiny support ticket that i saw come through or it's a random idea that i had from using the application i felt here's a part i can improve or maybe some r&d but it's it's a time where i know that i have it every morning Regardless of what's going on at work, this is my sort of quiet time, my peaceful time. And no matter what's happening, I always have that to look forward to. So even if I know that the rest of the day is going to be kind of sucky and challenging and I'm going to have to work on stuff I don't want to work on, at least I know that I have tomorrow morning as a, as a respite from, from what's going on right now. I like that a lot. I'm going to try to adopt that in more ways than one. I'm going to do that with my work and I'm also going to try to do that with hobbies. Mm. It's kind of like what my triumph was today with scheduling out that time period from 5 a.m. till noon where I said, I'm doing this. And that was, I so enjoyed that. Uh, Just knowing that no matter what, it was a luxury, honestly. (laughs) I'm going to be fair that that was a luxury because there were so many demands of my time. that are outside of what I want to do. That's what I wanted to do. So if you can do that, you know, any sort of fashion is going to be helpful. So again, me backing out to a higher higher perspective, (laughs) I will say this on the opposite side, because I I totally poo-pooed this, this kind of sentence, but you know, I've got a teenage son who is, and I remember this part, portion of my life when I was younger of, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And a lot of times you, you try things and you think you like them and you really don't. And 
And I, I think this sentence, the do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, is good for the phase of your life where you're not really sure what it is you love. Because, you know, he, like, let's take my kid. Oh, he doesn't listen to the podcast. So <laughs> um, he, he's a fantastic artist. He's also very critically minded. He's good at programming. He, and he, he's, he's looking into uh, doing animation because uh, he's a big anime nerd mm-hmm. and wants to do animation. But the more he learns about it, you know, he realizes how hard it is. He loves it, but doesn't know if, it doesn't know if he wants to do it for his job. Which I say at this point in his life at 16, 17, it's probably a moot point, but it's at least worth an, an exercise of going into, well, see what it's like. Um, when you're at that phase in your life where you're trying to figure out what it is you want to do, definitely do the love test. Mm-hmm. Definitely do the love test. It's the same way with picking a mate. Right? What do you mean by the love test? The, the, the love test is so... You're picking a, you're picking someone to spend the rest of your life with, mm-hmm. right? The love test is you, you take the worst thing about them, the thing that annoys you the most, and say, "Can I live with this for the rest of my life?" And if you can, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner. I mean, if 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 you go into a job and can't take the worst of it then don't start it and find something else. I mean, so, or if your love for it out, outweighs your level of frustration with it. So, you know, you find someone, they're fantastic. They complete you, but they do this one thing that really annoys you. And you're not sure you can live with it, but you know what? You can't live without it. Then ding, ding, ding. That's your love test. So, I think this this question is not one of those questions where you've already decided I'm a programmer. That's what I want to do. There's going to be frustrations. Oh yeah, I don't think any job would be without frustrations. What what fun would it be a job without frustrations? Yeah. Right? I mean, we we complain about it, but honestly, it's what drives us to overcome them. So, do what you love, but you know what? It's going to be work. I keep thinking of ways to make this more lighthearted. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this conversation is very deep. Mm. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah. Well, I think that the the, get, the saying itself is attempting to be very shallow. Like it, it's attempting to sound deep without going deep, and maybe that's its downfall. To make it more deep, can I bring some Bible into it? <laughs> I don't know. We, do it. we have room for the JPMs here? Or? <laughs> what's a jp so jesus it, it, is per minute uh, <laughs> so in, in christianity so you know jesus once said that uh he recommended that people go into the narrow gate so he said go into the narrow gate because broad and spacious is the road leading off in destruction and many are the people going through it whereas narrow is the gate and cramped is the road leading into life or success and few are the ones finding it and I think about that that that's saying a lot because I don't think what he's saying is that he's what he's saying is that the way to do something correctly is so narrow and so focused that it's hard. The road leading into success is not easy. It's, it's not it's not made to be 
hard. It's just because it's such a narrow pinpoint that you have to work to get to it. And it's the same way with, with enjoying a career. It's like, it's hard because it's specific. If it were easy, anyone could hit it and it wouldn't mean anything. It's the same with, with, with enjoying your, your work. It's like, you have to struggle to appreciate it. Not because appreciation needs to be struggled for, but because the struggle leads to success. Hmm. Success requires struggle. That's what I'm saying. There's so many, there's an infinite number of ways to do something badly. There's a very limited number of ways to do something properly. And you're only going to get a a sense of fulfillment when you do something properly. Well, the the thing that strikes a chord with me when you say choosing the narrow gate is I always like to say that I thrive in structure, meaning that I get up at the same time seven days a week. I start work at exactly the same time. I have my dedicated autonomous work time. I end work at exactly the same time. I find that I can only be successful when I have a very rigid structure in which I can operate because that allows me the freedom, I think, to do the things I need to do when I need to do them. And because of that, I've never really been able to relate to people who talk about remote work as this flex time. I can come in late when I need to come in late. I can stay late when I need to stay late. If I want to go have lunch with you know people for three hours on a Wednesday, I can do that. No part of that makes sense to me because <laughs> I, I love working remotely, but I need to have that structure in order to do the things I need to do. And that you travel on the cramped road, brother. My, my wife is always like, Hey, maybe you should sleep in tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I'm why not would I do, do that? that? Yeah. She's like, but you're really tired today. I'm like, yeah, that sucks. But I need to yeah. wake up at the same time tomorrow so that everything yeah. else falls into place. Cause I don't know how to do my day. When my alarm goes off, I get up. Right. That's just, you have to. I can relate, but not for the same reasons, Ben. I, so I have young children or I have had young children. They are starting to grow up now. My kids are now 10 (laughs) and 12. It's, it's tough. It's tough to not think of them as, you know, six and eight anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, when you are a parent of school age children, you tend to have to work backwards, right? So in order to everything is based on catching the morning school bus right in order to be awake in time to have a healthy breakfast and be ready to go in time to catch the morning school bus they have to go to bed at a certain time in order to go to bed at a certain time they have to have dinner at a certain time they, you know they have to be done at a certain time with homework we, you know we have to the whole day is structured yep, around yep. the schedule and like it or not i live inside that box and so i've learned to thrive in that as well and i i end up with the schedule very much like what you're describing you know get up at the same time every day mine is a little different because now with the pandemic and hybrid school our schedules are mm-hmm. different on different days but it's a set routine it's the same every week whether or not it's the same every day and at the same time i feel like my personal batteries get recharged from those flexible moments so if I have a sick kid and I need to take them to the pediatrician or if they have a dentist appointment, I can take them to that. Or if I want to go have lunch with my, uh, my old boss who I consider a mentor and a friend, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do that. 
and I might work a couple of extra hours that evening, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll make it up, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit of a workaholic anyway, so I'm constantly sticking <laughs> an extra half hour on the beginning of the morning because I have it available, right? You know, the kids are off to school, and what else am I going to do? So I might as well just go get started early, sort of thing. And so I feel like I'm kind of walking a tightrope between those two worlds. The I live in that structured box, but then I, there are maybe designated moments of freedom (laughs) if that makes sense so you go through the narrow gate and then you kind of jig a little bit and then you come right back (laughs) i think that makes sense because even within my structure you know sometimes i need to go for a walk or i'll take the Mm -hmm. dog out because she has to go out or every now and then i just need to go lay down for just three minutes five minutes i just need to take the weight off of my legs and my spine for a minute and just zone out for a second and that's just you just need that sometimes but Mm. but for the most part and it's and it's subjective right it's a personal strategy for success i find that i need that that structure my creativity is not hindered by structure i think my creativity is facilitated by structure and having that safe space within which i feel like i can be creative do what you love yeah man if you got the privilege to do it, do it. Yeah, but don't expect will that it'll work? never feel like work. Yeah. Will you work a day in your life? Yeah, you're going to work. But you know what? You're going to enjoy it more than doing something you don't love. So uh, who was it that recommended Yeah, this uh, Mingo. Mingo, thank you so much for the topic. I, I didn't think that we would be able to talk about this for about an hour, but uh, here we are. It's been an hour, geez. Here we are. Yeah. Coming up I on mean, an hour. It's, it's definitely... It's, uh, it's a perspective builder. Yeah. If I could give one piece of advice that makes life more enjoyable, don't overcommit to estimates you don't believe in. Yeah. That's like the worst possible thing you can do as an engineer is knowing that something will take three months, saying you can get it done in a month, and then spending two months trying to explain why you're a month <laughs> overdue on your work. I feel sp- personally attacked <laughs> by that comment because i do that every time because i want to get it done i'm like i i love this idea so much i know if i just care about it and love it and kiss it so much i will get it done in a month no matter the fact that i really can't i mean i started something back in september i'm like yeah this would be done by december and like here's it's march and i'm berating a customer because i'm blaming them for my my failures but i know it's me I read one time that one of the worst things managers can say to people is, I just need you to work harder for a little while. Because it paints this picture that most of the time people aren't working hard. Mm. And it's incredibly demoralizing. Okay. So are we done here? I I do want to end with a poem that I love. <laughs> First spit take of the okay. show. If I can read scripture, you can read the poem. Yeah. Okay. This, this one actually it mentions God in it, so I feel like we're tit for tat. Okay, there we go. All right, this is Marianne Williamson's poem, Our Deepest Fear. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. 
Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. <laughs> I, I love this poem. And, and I, think, I think it connects to the topic because when you love what you do to a certain degree, it gives you the freedom to truly express yourself and to do the things that you feel need to be done because you can let go of some of the fear that you might have otherwise. And, and as you do that, and people see you doing that, you, you allow other people to feel that same love in the work that they do because they see it's possible in others. Hmm. So I love that poem. Your heart matters. (laughs) You know, what used to drive me crazy would be kids in high school who would spend forever talking about whether nothingness was something. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm so deep, man. You're all artists. And this is what you like this. Not, not to say that they're all artists, but they were A all like, I would just say, do you guys know what null is? <laughs> just shut up. It's null. Oh man. So thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Apparently we have a Patreon and apparently people like us enough to actually give us money. That's absolutely fantastic. Monty Chan, you're a legend. Thank you so much for donating to keep the lights on so that we can keep doing what we're doing. If anyone else wants to join Monty with his bold charge into supporting us at patreon.com slash working code pod, send us some money. You don't have to, but if you want to. We won't turn it away. Yeah, definitely. We love you for it. If you really enjoy this podcast, give us a rate on the whatever you're listening on and give us a review, some place to give, give a review. So that would be awesome. And thanks for listening. Anything else, Adam? If uh, people have topic suggestions, how should they send them to us? That is a good question. I do not know that. Yeah, they can send them to us on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod. Okay, well, I guess we'll catch you guys next week. And until then, your heart matters. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. I've been looking through some random Satanist quotes. <laughs> I mean, it's what I'm going to talk about my my triumph. It's like my triumph is well. Well, well I mean, your hair is still on point. That's your triumph. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not as good. Last week it was I was really proud of it. Now it's like you know what I need to. It looks like it's a little more back and instead yeah, of to the side well, today. I, I, you know, I, I, I got to cover up the bald I spot. Some, I have some com- conditioner in there to try to cover the bald spot. <laughs> Getting old sucks. It sucks. I'm too vain to get old.